welcome to the 67th episode of Total Pod Mode, your weekly comedy gaming podcast. My name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, aka Mr. Bames. What's going on, you woefully wobbly waterbucks? Coming up this episode, we've got our weekly regular games catch-up, followed by the weekly gaming news, where we talk a perhaps unanticipated remaster... Sony finding itself in legal hot water again, and yet more Call of Duty news, although this time it's perhaps not what you'd expect. But before all of that, it's time to crack on with the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pop Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Okay, James, it's time to kick off the episode with a catch-up. What have you been playing this week? Short and sweet this week, buddy. Absolutely nothing. Oh, really? Absolutely nothing. I haven't played a single thing this week. Damn, not even any Baldur's Gate 3 content or anything. No, nothing. Literally <laughs> nothing. I've had very little energy or nor inspiration this week, so it just hasn't happened, I'm afraid. Right, okay, okay. So, very nice and quick and easy. How about you, man? What have you been playing this week? <laughs> um, well, I'm afraid I don't have a great deal of Nucon to talk about either, really. I'm very disappointed. Um, I've played a little bit of Tears of the Kingdom throughout this week, slowly progressing through the game. Uh, I've pretty much unlocked the whole of the central area of the map now. So at this point, you travel to various towers in a similar fashion to how you did in Breath of the Wild, unlocking bits on your map. By the central region, I've covered... That pretty much does encapsulate all of the areas that are outside of extreme climates. And I still haven't quite figured out how to get uh, some cold or heat-resistant clothing to make my way into those heat-resistant climates. Right. And I'm not sure whether it's just some of the areas that I've tried to access, but it seems that just eating some spicy fruit doesn't really cut it anymore. You need to think of more interesting ways to keep yourself warm. Okay. So I'm kind of on the hunt for some warmer clothing or, or something like that to give me that additional resistance. There is one thing that I have just thought of now which didn't occur to me previously, which is... Maybe if I were to enter a really cold area whilst holding a torch, that would keep me warm, having a fire nearby. Um, I should probably go try that. Go see the Gorons, they'll help you out. They normally have fire resistant or warm sh, don't they? Actually, no, why would yeah. they have warm sh? Because they live in a desert. Well, I was thinking of going to the Gerudo Desert, and actually, you're right, that is a good place to go because there is a fair few trinkets you can pick up, I think, in terms of talismans and armor pieces that do give you hot and cold resistance. And if it's anything like Breath of the Wild, there is a quest at some point in the desert where you make a choice depending on what amulet you'd like to receive to give you a certain kind of resistance as well. So I think that that is probably going to be my next place to travel onto the map. Fair play. It was was interestingly one of the last places that i visited in breath of the wild so it'll be interesting to to head back there and kind of do things in a bit of a reverse order i'm thinking that i probably will go to the gerudo desert first and then i'll work my way north to the bird people and uh, the frost land up there and i think i'll just try and do it in a clockwise fashion now starting from the center moving left and then working in a clockwise way whereas the last time it was the complete opposite i went straight into the water area uh, with the fish people and uh, and had a wander around the zora domain and I think what I'll probably do is leave that until the last thing that I do this time around. Makes sense. 
mix it up a little bit. I'm still yet to access any of the four main quests in the game and move on to those special areas where these specific disturbances are taking place. But I am at the point in the game where everything is urging me to go to one of those places and there are specific quest lines and things that I'm following that cannot progress until you've done at least one of those main missions. So now is really the time for me to push onto that. And if I haven't managed to get onto one of those by next week, I'll be really surprised. <laughs> Unless it ends up being that I just haven't played any Tears of the Kingdom that week. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, if it's starting to impact what you can do in terms of exploring and stuff, then yeah, you got to get your teeth sunk in. Other than that, I explored a new town in the game uh, called Hatano Village. It's not a new town. It's, it's actually a, a town that was in Breath of the Wild as well, as is most of the map. At this point, the town is now being kind of subject to a load of tourism because a fashionista called Cece has moved in and is dressing everyone up in fancy mushroom garb. That also sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. The town mayor is not very pleased because Hatano Village is traditionally kind of like a relaxed farmland, uh, you know, take it easy type place to live. So uh, CC coming in and riling up a load of tourism isn't really doing them any favours. And you actually have to get involved in a uh, like a mayoral uh, race between the two of them. And you can discover they've got hidden secrets that I need to figure out. One of them sneaks away at night. The other one sneaks away at midday to a workshop. And you need to tell them and figure out these secrets that they've got before they take control of the town. And I suppose that would probably influence your decision as to who you want to help become the next candidate. It'd be interesting to see where that actually ends up panning out. I'm not really expecting anything too interesting from that. But uh, I do think that I need to do more of that in order to unlock the special tech lab to the north of Hatano Village. And uh, at that point, I think you can start to upgrade some of your tech powers, like things like your Ultra Hand. And I'm interested to see what the upgrade tree brings on, because that wasn't something that I really touched in Breath of the Wild until much later. And I kind of want to get a hold of that stuff earlier on now to actually feel the benefit rather than going from zero to 100 in some cases because I'd just been neglecting it up until that point. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to work with more of the game with as much maxed out shit as you can, right? Especially yeah, in a game exactly that allows that. you such creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than those limited adventures this week, uh, I've been settling back from my holiday, so I haven't had a great deal of time to put much time in. And uh, the Games Challenge has kept me relatively busy this week once again. Uh, so that was where most of my gaming time went this week. There you go. More on that later. Okay, man. So I think it's time to move on to the gaming news. First up this week in an article from Game Rants, Last of Us Part 2 remastered content has been revealed. Oh, wow. Just under a week ago now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. Just under a week ago now, Last of Us Part 2 Remastered was revealed to be currently in progress and could be officially announced very soon. The original game released back in 2020 on PS4, and notably, unlike its other Sony PlayStation exclusive contemporaries like Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man and Horizon Zero Dawn, the Naughty Dog produced Last of Us Part 2 didn't receive an upgrade following the release of the powered-up PS5 hardware. The leak was first made via X, formerly Twitter, where well-known data miner PlayStation Game Size posted a promotional picture from the second instalment in the Last of Us series, along with a tick mark next to the letters PS5, indicating that a PS5 native version of the game is on the way. Right, so when I said wow at the start, I thought that's because they were remaking it. This is this is completely different, and I have no problem with it. If they're just up if they're upscaling it to PS5, that's fair. They are, yeah. This yeah. is very much an upscale to PS5 yeah. type situation. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's not as outrageous as I initially thought it was going to be. Which is why I said wow at the start, because I was like, really? But no, okay, this is fine. 
Well, it's, it's it's interesting because obviously Last of Us uh, Part One got a remaster, and that was way more in depth, and they 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 did put a lot more uh, sort of of the Last of Us Two effects and and engine into the original game, yeah. and that felt like much more of a remaster. This feels just like it's it's an upscale essentially. It's, yeah, it's a it? it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> using the high res textures and probably models from cutscenes as they did initially with the first game. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's. I'm I'm kind of more here for that. I think that's fair enough. What are some of the rumors about this wonderful remaster? Will I'll tell you, James. Some of the things coming to the native PS5 edition come with, obviously, as you'd expect, a host of graphical improvements and performance updates. Now outputting at 4K in fidelity mode. Uh, notably, it's fidelity mode there, so I would imagine that we'd probably be expecting to see 30 FPS in yeah. 4K mode. Going back to some more improvements, uh, improved loading times more quickly, letting you jump into the action again, to be expected. Yeah, and full DualSense wireless controller integration. That's fair. Interesting to see if there's anything with the old haptic feedback. Yeah, no, you're right. There, actually it's interesting that you don't see that being put on the list and i think that that is something that they really could do uh something with to tie into that why not well maybe that's what they mean but they should sell it more you're right just saying wireless controller integration that's like well yeah obviously <laughs> yeah it works with the ps5 controller of yeah. course yeah. Some of the more interesting things included uh, in the content in this game include No Return, which is a roguelike survival mode that, according to some sources, includes randomized encounters and the ability to play as different characters in the section. So that could be quite interesting and add a degree of replayability to the game that we haven't seen in previous Last of Us titles. That sounds quite an interesting concept, that. So uh, there's also some lost levels that let you explore early development versions of three new levels not seen in the original part two. Um, these levels are titled The Sewers, Boar Hunt, and Jackson Party. So I'm initially thinking that the Jackson Party is probably going to be uh, maybe around the time of the promo cutscene where Ellie is at the party with Dina, um, where they're kind of doing a bit of like a, like a barn dance <laughs> type a uh, dance situation that was as part of some of the promo material that's not what came to my mind when i saw jackson party what the f are you talking about man you can also enjoy hours of new developer commentary to hear the insights into the part two's development as you experience the game and this was something that i think a lot of people probably slept on on the original game but it's something that is really interesting to do which is to walk around and as you experience the game, you can hear game creators, voice actors, and various people involved with the making of the game comment on how it was made, how scenes were originally intended to go, and you get some really interesting insights. Kind of like they do on DVD extras back in the day. Exactly that, yeah, yeah. But it's more interactive because it, it comes as packaged as part of as you play the game instead. Yeah. Really cool stuff. And, uh, you know, for people that are fans of Last of Us and they haven't actually gone back and checked those out in any of the versions before, I'd really recommend it. Uh, there's also a couple of accessibility features that they've added descriptive audio and speech to vibrations have also been added to part two suite of accessibility features the last of us part two remastered also features brand new unlockable character and weapon skins for players to use for both ellie and abby because of course it does at least they're unlockable and not purchasable, though. <laughs> no, thankfully. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they have had these features available in the games before. You complete the game and you unlock alternative costumes. Okay. It's something quite yeah. Resident Evil-y uh, about those games. So interesting. Uh, I suppose they've just added a few more additional ones for people that actually spring for the new game. Which uh, they'll have the actors, I'm calling it now. Bella Ramsey will be a skin. They'll have like the HBO series skins. That would be interesting. Yeah, like Netflix doing yeah. that, well, like they did for The Witcher. Although you'd be limited on, you'd only have it for Ellie, I suppose. 
Maybe for your, maybe for your roguelike mode, you could have uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel. Spoilers, you could get Pedro Pascal for all of 20 minutes yeah. in the game. The game's been out long enough now, surely. Can we, can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, think that so. One, that one's fine. You can also finally live up to your musical potential with Guitar Free Play, which includes new unlockable instruments, and you can apparently even choose which character you want to play. So if you really do want to keep Joel in your game for more than 20 minutes, I believe you can actually free play guitar mode as Joel. There you go. There you go, giving the people what they really wanted. <laughs> you can also take on a new speedrun mode to post your best times and scores online as well, so another little additional feature. They often have that in survival horror games from the get-go. Uh, it's nice to kind of finally build in. It feels like it's that complete package now. Naughty Dog have since gone on to confirm the rumours are all true, posting just a day after the leaks occurred, saying The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered is coming to PS5 on January 19th, featuring the roguelike mode No Return, Free playable loss levels with developer commentary, guitar free play, and more. Oh, wow, so it's not far away, actually. Not at all, no, oh. yeah. And uh, the cost for this is yet to be determined. I haven't actually seen uh, how much this thing costs to buy outright, although I am aware that it costs $10 to get the upgrade. So if you have a digital or physical edition of Last of Us Part 2, the original copy, you can upgrade for only $10, or I guess that's roughly about 7 or 8 quid. They'll probably make it 10 quid here as well, yeah, to be yeah. fair. If the original game was £60, this one will be 70 That'll just be how it is, yeah. Especially if it's PS5. Like they're just, yeah. May old game, maybe 60, but yeah, I think 70. I guess the only thing that I'm taking from this is at this point, I'm wondering when the Last of Us Part 2 PC version is coming out because uh, I would quite like to revisit that game. And I'd like to do it without having to listen to what sounds like a vacuum cleaner taking off in my <laughs> living room every time I switch on my PS4. Yes, I remember that pain from when I played Bloodborne. I imagine it's worse on a newer game as well. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be it'll come to PC eventually, surely. The other one took a bit of time, so they've actually put the part one on PC. And to be fair, it wasn't that well received. Out of all of the PlayStation to PC conversion games, that one actually got quite a bit of flack for having performance issues and bugs with the game. So I really hope they do a better job of porting Last of Us Part 2 over because it would suck to have to wait for it to come out and then it ends up still turning out that you've got to wait longer for them to fix everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think it's time that we moved on to our second article of the day. Sony now finds itself in legal hot water as it fails to kill a $7.9 billion lawsuit over PlayStation store prices. Just as Jim Ryan's all left, this all comes out. Well, actually, this has been ongoing for uh, quite some time, and Sony has been batting things back. However, it does sound like this is actually starting to find some ground, and it is progressing to some degree, at least in the UK courts. I was going to say, this is the thing where the PlayStation Store's prices are like up 30% or something. I swear we aggregated it months and months ago, last year sometime. Yes, uh, so maybe the 30% you're getting that figure from the fact that they take a cut of the earnings, yeah, 30%, which is seen as like a, you know, a very large amount. What it fails to mention in this article from Kotaku is that uh, 30% is actually kind of the industry standard for okay. these sorts of measures. It's not to say that it's, you know, a good... Um, a good number to have but it is the industry standard as well and uh and you know and with most consoles they are also guilty of very similar things it's only really pc that you can actually have multiple different storefronts available to you it's not like nintendo gives you access to the google play store for no, instance yeah, yeah. or uh or you know the same with the xbox or any of the other consoles as well yeah that's fair this isn't really an article that kind of puts sony in a worse light compared to its other competitors 
This is more of one that perhaps has some ramifications for future dealings and possibly for other game companies outside of Sony as well, should this one progress in UK courts. Because I think that if this lawsuit were to be successful, then there would be a precedent for legal ramifications against all of the other companies as well. Mm. So perhaps unlikely, I reckon Sony lawyers are probably going to fight off this one pretty strongly, as they're one to do. So uh, I probably should provide a little bit of context to all of this. A lawsuit filed back in 2022 accused Sony of using its console storefront, known as the PlayStation Store, to overcharge players for their games. The London Tribunal has now permitted the lawsuit to move forward, despite Sony's objections, which could result in payments to players in the UK of up to $7.9 billion if it all goes through. That's uh, obviously uh, per person, a, yeah. a combined yeah. cost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that, uh, yeah, that copy of Last of Us 2 that I brought on the digital storefront, I don't think it's going to give me almost $8 billion in the bank, sadly. Oh, you never know. I'm the case started back in August last year, and essentially claimed that anti-competitive practices by Sony allowed it to get away with charging a 30% commission on all sales in the PlayStation Store, rather than charging a smaller amount and passing the savings on to customers. Sony did attempt to dismiss the case as I mentioned before, however the Competition Appeal Tribunal sided against Sony, stating that it failed to establish that the complaint has no reasonable grounds for making the claims, slash no real prospect of succeeding at trial. Sony isn't actually accused of doing anything unusual here, as I mentioned, and in fact, the issue that the lawsuit is building a case against is actually the same thing that every modern gaming platform does, charging fees while blocking out the competition. The lawsuit claims that by failing to allow third parties to sell directly on the PlayStation Store, it's limiting competition and driving up prices for players. Yeah, as you so well put it just now with uh, the fact that on PC you have multiple storefronts and on the consoles you don't. It's the fact that the Competition Appeal Tribunal decided against Sony and they feel that they don't actually have a prospect of succeeding at trial. That's the thing that's that's interesting there. I'd be interested to know what was the basis of that decision and how they ended up coming to that conclusion. Especially if it is the industry standard, as you say. This does seem a bit weird. Maybe someone in the uh, Competition Markets Authority, the CMA or the Competition Appeal Tribunal, has really got it in for uh, for Sony somewhere along the lines. Well, it's, it's interesting though because I have seen prices on my friend's PlayStation Five storefront sort of recently, and they do look high, right? But I'm like you say, I'm now comparing it to Steam and things like that. I don't know what it would be on Xbox. I can't comment on it from personal experience, but uh, unless PlayStation are doing something different to everyone else. I would say it's the other way around. I'd say they don't have a leg to stand on rather than Sony don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, yeah. But if Sony are doing it and it's just them, then they're probably right. But as you say, we need more. We need a bit more facts. Well, I mean, I think that the issue here is is that uh, it's probably unlikely that this is going to go through because, as you say, everyone is kind of doing it. However, I think it's probably one to take note of, uh, given that if this were to proceed, then there may well be other large industry names getting involved in the uh, procession of the trial because they may not want this to proceed themselves. It'd be interesting to know if Phil Spencer pipes up about this. So on to our third and final article of the week from Xfire. With the release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 only just passed on the 10th of November, it's only right we start to hear news of the next instalment. Yeah, it's coming out Christmas Day this year as well, baby. <laughs> Sometime in 2024 is word on the street. That's why Modern Warfare 3 is just so like using old assets and stuff. It's because they're putting all yeah. their time into this new one. <laughs> it sounds like it. 
Reliable Call of Duty insider Cod Perseus shared the setting for next year's Call of Duty game, which is being developed by Treyarch. That's a name that I trust, Cod Perseus. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking you were going to say Treyarch there. I think given that I know no. your fondness for Black Ops in the series, I figured uh, you'd probably have a bit more faith behind Treyarch than uh, Sledgehammer to pull this one off. Oh, you know, never know. Never say never. But no, Cod Perseus is cool though. I like that. Sounds trustworthy. <laughs> The next game, known currently as Call of Duty 2024, will step away from Activision's Modern Warfare entries and, as in their previous games, will have a different take on the familiar formula and return to the Black Ops-style take on the franchise. Hence Treyarch. Exactly. Recent rumours suggest that next year's Call of Duty will be set in the Persian Gulf, and according to Call of Duty insider Cod Perseus, the upcoming title will take place during the Gulf War. So it's a new setting for Call of Duty? And they could have some fun with that as well. You can have some nice desert scenes and things like that. Well, that's the thing they always say. War is just so goddamn fun. Yeah. What yeah. your ass well, say? Well, At least in Call of Duty it is. Say, a lot of people <laughs> buy this sh right? <laughs> so... <laughs> A previous leak from a Modern Warfare 2 informer gives fans a more detailed picture of the upcoming title. Was it Cod Perseus? It wasn't, I don't think Then it was. I don't no. trust them. <laughs> According to the rumour, the game will only have 6v6 multiplayer and the time to kill will be very similar to Black Ops 4. Um, for you, James, that probably means nothing to you. That's right. a much longer time to kill. Okay. People are going to be a lot more bullet spongy than they currently feel in Modern Warfare 2 and 3, which is interesting and I feel like adds to a bit more of the skill-based gameplay that I'd hope to see in a Call of Duty title. Will it still have armor or is that more of a battle royale mode? I think that, yes, um I'm sure they will still have armor in battle royale mode. I think they're talking about health in a multiplayer environment like an arena just got health. Yeah. Type yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. I remember Black Ops 2's multiplayer like I liked how much health you had. It didn't feel yeah. too much and it didn't feel too little. It was a good good mix. 4 looks to be that they've added a little bit more than it was in Black Ops 2. They definitely took it up a notch in Black Ops 4. Are we talking like a couple of hits more? Yeah, like a couple of hits tops more. Okay. It just meant that you weren't going to get glanced as you ran around a corner anymore. And if you were to end up in a shootout with someone, if you happened to be aiming at their head and actually properly aiming, then you were going to win that cool. shootout sort of thing. So yeah, it just in increases and changes up the combat quite a bit, actually, compared to some of the footage that I'd looked at for earlier titles with Black Ops 3 and 2. Um, it looks considerably different in 4. I was going to say, yeah, like an extra two shots, I can, that's cool. You can do some more stuff with that. But if we're talking like another three or four, too much. Don't go, don't go that far, guys. No, we, we try not to go into like Halo slash Gears of War territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want to keep it kind of grounded. Yeah. yeah. The rumor also suggests that sliding will still be in the game while tactical sprint will only last a few seconds. Many fans aren't fans of the recent Modern Warfare 3 changes to the movement speed back in Modern Warfare 2, which was much slower. Other fans also commented that the time to kill in Modern Warfare 2 was too fast and gives campers too much of a big advantage. Is that a fair criticism? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. If you're kind of just sat in a room and someone just one pumps you the moment you walk in, it sounds like if they've increased the time to kill in Black Ops 4, you might stand a chance of turning around and at least doing something, being able to get some form of retribution. Okay. Yeah, that's fair then. I think it also adds to a bit more of a team dynamic and encourages team gameplay a bit more because of the fact that it's going to be so much harder to win uh, 1v3, for instance. Yeah. In Modern Warfare 2, it's very doable if you're fast enough. 
and you've got the right gun. Whereas it would be almost impossible from what I've seen of the gameplay in Black Ops 4, unless you were just insanely good. Anything that prevents campers in that sort of... Not prevents, that's not the right word. Anything that sort of lessens the impact of campers because campers yeah. like there's nothing wrong with a little bit of camping every now and then but like you don't want people to just be winning every single round by doing the same thing first person that gets to the good spot wins sort of thing i think the frustrating thing is with campers is they they don't actually tend to win the rounds either so it's frustrating for both sides both being on their team means that you don't have someone that's actually working an objective yeah. or earning kills and playing against them they're just frustrating because they're sat in a room in some far off place just shooting anyone that walks through the door yeah exactly so I think that there's definitely some positive changes to come from this next Call of Duty. And you're right, this definitely does reek of like a large change up compared to Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3, oh. especially when you put them in the perspective of the transition from 2 to 3. But why do we need another COD game so soon after Modern Warfare 3? That's my question. We don't, James. That's the point. We don't need another Call of Duty game. They need the money. Right. The money, baby. Would it not be better to spend a bit of money on fixing Modern Warfare 3, assuming that it's still not good? Because <laughs> I don't follow it, so I don't know. But presumably, it's still not that good. And maybe they should think about fixing that before releasing a new one? I don't know. I mean, it just says 2024, so it's not like it's saying January, like with The Last of Us 2 remaster we were just talking about. The damage is done with Modern Warfare 3. They're going to release the content, and they're going to continue on the same roadmap. But the issue with Modern Warfare 3 wasn't so much that it's bad... It's the fact that the amount of content you're getting for a full price game is bad. Yeah, and it's lazy. Um, that it's was, lazy. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue there. It's it's you know the, the, I don't think Modern Warfare Three is any worse or better than Modern Warfare Two. It's just more of the same for a very exaggerated price tag. And I think even from what this article implies and from what I've seen as well, the movement speed is definitely upped on Modern Warfare Three. That's yeah. for certain. There's a bit more kind of movement going on. But other than that, it feels remarkably the same. Yeah. Well. As I said at the start, now we know why. Because they're working on this bad boy, even though it's a different company doing it, sort of. Different developer, same company. Yeah, different developer, but this is where the money is currently. Yeah. The the money, the big budgets currently is going into the next one in development. And they've got a, you know, a team that will be working on putting out the content and God knows, maybe Modern Warfare 4. Although I'm doubtful at this point, I think that uh, they've finished the trilogy, it. right? Yeah. They need to do something else. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Early betting, I reckon this will be um, end of the summer. End of the summer, 2024. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. They normally yeah. do it sort of in that August to October sort of time, but I think it'll be slightly closer to the August side. Also worth uh, taking this X-Fire article and a lot of the information included in it uh, from Cod Perseus. I, I know that you find him a trustworthy yeah. guy, James. Well, I know the name really great. sold you. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I trust him too, buddy. I mean, I mean, he's a Greek god. But uh, I think that at the same time, uh, these are still very much rumours and speculations from insiders, so yeah. yet to be determined. Yeah, but will he kill Medusa? He does have that behind him. I will. Yeah. I'll give you that. He does. Okay, and after that article, it's time to close off the news and move swiftly on to the... A Games Challenge! <laughs> Okay, James, so on last week's episode, your challenge to me was to beat you in a round of match play in Golf Club 2019. Course and weather conditions were your choice at the time on the day. Yes. That day being today, because we actually played our match of golf 
just before the podcast. We certainly did. And it was high pressure for me, high stakes. I needed to defeat Will to hang in the games challenge this year. It's all to play for. He could have seen it away. Let's find out how he got on. But first, let's talk about your golfer. Okay. Well, I, I know you love a character creation suite. Why don't you tell the people into what you made? I Well, using the very limited tools in this game, I made an absolute monstrosity. He somehow yeah. manages to have like uh, an extremely large head. Yeah. Homer Simpson's sort of shape Yeah, head. Homer Simpson's shape head, similar haircut as well, uh, with bleach blonde hair and a bleach blonde short moustache as well, like a pencil moustache. Yeah. And when very Will nice. says bleach blonde, he means like bright yellow. Yeah, <laughs> extremely pouty lips and a very short, thin, pointy nose as well. Um, yeah. Monstrous Standard. eyes and eyebrows really kind of completing a sort of a clown type of look pink t-shirt well i would say more like a burgundy (laughs) okay yeah fair enough yeah burgundy shirt and 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 kind of minty green shorts lovely a lovely ensemble for a lovely man and what did you call him Clarence was his name. Clarence was go. the uh, the gentleman that uh, accompanied me throughout this week of golf practice. Yes, and how did your week of golf practice go? So, um, preparation for this, for me, mostly involved just going into the training mode. And initially, I was just trying out the drivers, uh, going to the driving range and just taking swings and trying to practice that swinging motion. The controls in this game are fairly simple. You use the left stick to kind of aim your shots and the right stick to take your golf swings. And you take a golf swing by drawing back on the right stick or depending on your settings, you can have it on the left stick if you want. You can you can choose which stick controls. The mechanic for getting the best swing is to watch your character's animation because as you draw back, you don't want them to then kind of freeze in this drawn back animation before you flick forward. Unless you want the ball to go veering off to the right. Which you don't want. You do not want, no, yeah. Especially with all of the obstacles on these golf courses as well. Lots of rough, lots of sand, lots of lakes. Exactly. Want to be avoiding those. You can draw back too fast. You can flick forward too fast. As well as watching your character's animation to make sure it's smooth, the motion that you do on the stick has to be relatively smooth. Yeah, and it has to be the correct distance as well. It does, yeah. And that's in order to get the right amount of speed as well. So for all of them, there's quite a lot of variation there. And you need to try and do all of this motion in as straight a line as possible in order to send your golf ball screaming down the course. Yes, and in a lot of golf games, you actually have a sort of, you can see the gauge and you can see where your swing goes. Yeah. In the settings we were using, none of that. No HUD. Although in practice, I think you probably do. No, I, I didn't have it on, no. And yeah, I didn't actually see the option to turn it on either, to be honest with you. I don't I think you can in off. this game. It's right, in other golf okay. games you get that, really. Yeah, yeah. I think that that gives it more of an arcade feel, whereas this one felt a little bit more like a sim-type yeah. thing. I think it's definitely trying to be a golf sim, isn't it? It's not... Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no arcade feel to it at all. No, that's the difference between the golf club games and then sort of the 2K PGA yeah. Tour ones, even though they're made by the same guys. It's, right, um, okay. Well, the same mechanics, at least, but it's uh, a much more serious golf simulator rather than arcade, exactly as you've said. And it was a fun time uh, playing through these training missions. After I got done taking a load of swings, I then moved on to putting practice. And that was actually probably where I spent about 80 to 90% of my time in the game. Very wise. Uh, The other 10% being quite a lot in driving in 10% of that and 10% probably in the character creator. (laughs) Uh, Just uh, trying to go as hard as possible there. So putting practice was definitely the way to go for me. And I just spent a lot of time doing that. I probably spent the best part of nine or 10 hours practicing this week at the putting. 
And that was my main time in the game, really. I, I really didn't engage very much with any of the other features. Uh, I didn't play a match against someone else online, or I'm not even sure whether it's possible to play against an AI. I assume it must be. Yeah, you can. You can set up yeah. ghosts, yeah. Right. Okay, you don't yeah. You don't see them swing or anything, but they you go get like a score. And you, fine, fine. Yeah. Okay, okay. You could have done the career mode. Yes, I could have done, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah. No, it was, it was just straight up practice i figured what's the quickest way for me to take the most amount of shots and just keep trying to get this right with the inclines and things like that uh i I think that that was the way to go for me i stuck with it and i had quite a few satisfying moments in there i was kind of after a while you know you spend that amount of time in a putting range start to get a little bit bored start to wonder what's that squirrel doing over there yeah can i hit the squirrel with my golf ball and then very quickly how do I hide the dead squirrel that is now on the golf course with me? What have I done? And shortly after that, I moved on to bigger prey, in fact, and actually started going for the deer. And uh, I absolutely nailed a male buck uh, with a little chip shot off the green. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous. If you'd like to check that out, feel free to jump on the YouTube channel and... Uh, Check out some of my practice, let's call it. Yeah, if you want to um, see Will mutilate some animals <laughs> with a golf yeah. club and golf balls. L- listen, they put the animals in the game for a reason. They gave them a dying animation for a reason. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just put it that. And I, I did actually spend quite a bit of time actually just kind of sending uh, chip shot golf balls into the car park that's uh, nearby the training arena as well, just trying to see if you can break a wing shield on one of the fancy cars. You and can't. Can you? You can't, unfortunately, no. It does have pretty satisfying noise as you ding one off a bonnet. It's good to know that you spent your time practicing, like, well. You were getting yourself in real, like, game situations. (laughs) It's good Yeah, yeah. I feel like it ultimately, it really benefited me. But um, as I say, that was pretty much my training regime. Like, on a serious note, I really was just working away at the putting practice, and I did sink a lot of putts. I wish there was some sort of statistic in the game for your training time. It doesn't yeah. seem that there is. Unfortunately, it only keeps statistics of your actual matches. And it's a real shame because I had some absolutely beautiful hole-in-ones at like 150 yards and stuff like that. No, that was probably too much. More like sort of, say, 100, 110 yards sort of thing. Putting 100 yards? Uh, you, putted, you putted a ball 100 yards? I, I doubt that somehow. No, sorry, we're talking feet, aren't we, in the game? It measures in feet in this game. Uh, you can change it, I think, but yeah. Right, yeah, it was 100 feet. 100 feet, I should say, yeah. It's not ideal, but I got a hole-in-one, yeah. Can't get a hole-in-one from a putt, I don't think, but I'll let you have it. I know what you mean. Well, it's putting practice. Yeah, it's, it's not a yeah, natural yeah, hole-in-one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, from yeah. where I started, I nailed it from 100 yeah, yeah. feet. That made me pretty happy. Yeah, very nice. But that was really uh, pretty much all of my training regime, so I think it's probably time that we go on to what the people want to hear and uh, find out how the results of the match went down. Fair play. Well, a couple of stats before we get into it. It was um, up to me what course we played, what the weather conditions were and all that good stuff. I chose what is probably my favourite golf course in these games across the multiple games I've played, which is the TPC of Sawgrass, uh, home of the Players' Championship in real life. Lovely little yes, course. because they use real PGA golf courses, don't they? Yeah, they do have quite a few on here. And uh, this one's just among my favourites. It's a very nice-looking course. It has a good amount of challenge, but if you hit your shots well, you can score really low. I chose moderate winds so we were right down the middle in the default direction so it would be just whatever direction it would be on the actual hole in the real world which i just mm, think is kind of cool mm. and the key one i think was that i set the firmness of the greens to be fast not the fastest they could be but fast 
and um, the green speed was also fast. Again, not very fast, but fast, because that means you have to be very, very, very accurate with your approach shots and sort of judge the role, if you like. This actually made quite a bit of difference and really shook things up from the training yeah. mode. I assumed that all of those values were set to normal on the training mode. It so I was be, noticing yeah. that my balls were going way further than I was practiced for, particularly on the putting. Exactly. And uh, the wind speed and that can make a real difference on certain holes as well, depending on the elevation. So I didn't want to go too brutal with the wind because I haven't played this game for over a year. <laughs> so I didn't want it to be too hard on me either. But um, there we have it. The stage is set. We kick off hole one. Lovely little par four to open up. Because I set up the game, so I was essentially player one, it was my honour. I teed off first. I, it was an okay drive, nothing wrong with it. And this was the moment. This is where I was seeing how Will had got on with his practice. We'll see what a player he was. And uh, if I remember correctly, your first drive was pretty pretty solid. Hit yeah, I was happy way. with it. It went nice and yeah. straight. It wasn't a, a completely perfect shot, but I think I nailed the forward swing on perfect. So yeah, I was happy with happy yeah. with starting off. A little bit worried to get a duff shot right away, right out of the gate. It's not a very good look. <laughs> no, exactly. That was what I was scared of as well. And I was thankful. My drive wasn't perfect. I think it did go in the rough, as I say, but it was a ni it, as nice a rough shot as it could have been. And I did hit it perfectly. The swing was perfect, but I just didn't aim it right. A decent opener, considering the fact that you weren't able to practice this game this week in the same way I was. Exactly. I was quite happy with it, considering I haven't played this game in so long. And actually, it's uh, sort of set the tone for this hole in general, because uh, we halved this one. I think we both got a four. But um, one... But one thing I've noticed, I, I did miss a, a relatively easy putt on this to win the hole, if I remember correctly. I, I wasn't happy with that. Could have won it. <laughs> Squandered opportunity. And then moved us on to hole two. First par five of the afternoon. And these are always good fun because you can hit the ball really hard. And uh, as I remember it, and I could be wrong, I hit a pretty spectacular drive on this one. And uh, I think you hit it in the bunker, Will. I did land in the sand bunker. It bounced into the sand bunker. It was a really harsh one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, very tough. And, Not uh, a great start. It wasn't the greatest of starts, no. And uh, to your credit, you did get it out of the sand very nicely and got it up onto the green for three. So you were still playing the hole well. But um, unfortunately, because uh, my drive was pretty good, I actually got onto the green for two. And uh, even though Will then proceeded to miss his next putt, but he was in a good position, I, I was able to two putt. And we got our first win on the board, ladies and gentlemen. James went one up. And I was feeling good because, again, I, I was the shots were looking pretty decent. I was happy with this. But no sooner had my confidence spiked than we move on to hole three. And uh, Will just outplayed me on this hole. Simple as that. Uh, there was no duff shots from anyone. I, just, I don't think there was any particular errors. But, uh, yeah, Will just... Uh, was better than me at this hole, and he was able to get one straight back. Squeezed the nice little putt in at the end. Yeah, I was happy with that yeah. one. The putting practice started to come into its own around there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we get to the next hole, <laughs> and the putting practice perhaps abandoned you a little Took bit a dip. on this one, I think. Yes, um, which was a, even more of a shame, because uh, I, I you know, just pulled it level, and then Will hits this beautiful drive straight in the fairway perfect angle into the green i proceed to spank it straight into the water <laughs> and not only did i hit it into the water will then hit his second shot plumb on the green and i'm thinking oh god here we go i'm gonna go one down um i hit my shot it was okay like it was fine there was nothing wrong with it it was pretty good from where it was because i was sort of behind a load of trees from my drop point but you had a little bit of a nightmare on the screen i did i let my focus slide 
uh, with some of these putts. And uh, I think it was the initial miss putt. Yeah, straight away, I just knew I was in trouble because I, I hadn't paid attention to the terrain in terms of the way it was sloping down. And uh, I didn't adjust my shot enough to counteract that. I took it yeah. too quickly without really thinking. And uh, that momentary loss of focus really cost me. It did. And and this is where the green speed and the green sort of firmness come into play. Because Very if you make so. one mistake, you, you could be off the green. I mean, like, yeah. that, it's ridiculous, some of them. Um, and I was lucky enough that I was able to get a two-part and win the hole. So I went back to one-up and... Uh, Thus began the mini run. For the next two holes, right? Yes, although the hole number six has a particularly harsh story for Will in it. But the, yes. the next hole, um, nothing spectacular. I think I just won the hole, like nothing major. Just neither of us hit bad shots. I just happened to hit mine a bit better. But this next hole was it was very harsh for Will. Again, the drives were actually pretty good. Like, this, you know, I'd hit a couple of shanks and mine weren't necessarily going on the fairway, but none of them were in too much trouble. Will hit a lovely drive. Your driving was much better than mine throughout this, I've got to say. Both on the green. I missed the putt to get the, my birdie. Will missed the putt to get his birdie. That was disappointing. And why don't you tell the people what happened on your next putt, Will? Well, I, I was so close, I think, at that you, point. You were like two foot hole. away I at I most. Probably, yeah, two feet away. And I tapped it so gently. But at that point, it did the dictionary definition of kissing the rim. Giggity. It was lingering so far into falling into the hole. It was like the absolute precipice that like a micron of weight yeah. towards that hole would have sent it in. But it, it just did not go uh, this is where kind of the sim comes away from the real life in the sense that like the way that the computer calculations go for the physics of this in real life that ball would not be able to be in that position yeah. on the whole son of a bitch ball why didn't you just go home that's your home are you too good for your home answer me for, for any golf fans out there if you think of the tiger woods chip on the 12th at augusta where you like it paused showed you the nike logo and then dropped in it was that sort of deal except it didn't except drop. it didn't drop <laughs> and when i took my putt which eventually won me the hole for three in a row right i could literally see the ball hanging over like basically 50 50 so it was it was should have fallen it was <laughs> obscene how brutal it was got it but it didn't fall. I sank my putt, and uh, that put me three up. So at this point, three up, feeling a little uncomfortable here. Yeah, and it uh, didn't get better for you in the next couple of holes. We halved number seven, and then I took number eight. Again, nothing too spectacular here. Just I, I was in my groove, and uh, I, I, to be fair, I just didn't give you a look in with some of these. But four up. And at this point, what you even said, it's not looking good for me here. At four up, yeah, yeah you're starting to, just before half time, exactly. it's getting a little worrying. Thus proceeds the second mini run of this little matchup. Uh, so hole number nine, after Will's just stated this, our drives are pretty much match for match. I then hit an absolutely atrocious chip shot. I just completely underhit it. I was sort of off the green on a downhill slope and I just chipped it into the slope and it came basically back to my feet. It was an awful shot. Rubbish. Absolute crap. And Will hit two beautiful shots, one right to within about a couple of feet of the hole. Pied it in. Nice easy putt. Absolutely schooled, which means that as we finished the front nine, I was three up. So still relatively strong, right? Plenty of time to play in yeah. it, yeah. And hole number 10, we halved. Just known, so still three up here. And then hole number 11, I found the water again off the tee. Second, second <laughs> one of the match. 
and if I if I remember correctly, that was uh, just after you'd hit an absolutely sublime drive. I was very happy yeah. with that one. Yeah, that was straight down the field. Absolutely and sublime. Sent it way way further than the AI was suggesting. I said exactly. It, it was it was <laughs> very satisfying when you nail one of those shots. Exactly, and it, and it sounded good. It looked good. It was wonderful. Um, and as a result of me going in the water, Will was able to comfortably win that. And then on the next hole, Will actually drove the green on a par four. And uh, I think this was the one where it looked like it was going incredibly to the right. It hit a slope and bounced onto the green. And then Will's, it, you know, it wasn't close, but Will just sank this part at a good pace and it just went, nailed it. That was probably, I think, one of my best parts in the game. That one, I was pretty satisfied with that. I had quite a few uh, inclines and dodgy terrain to work with. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, it, uh, the ball saw true. Exactly. And uh, my drive was not on the green. It was just off. I chipped on. I was in a decent spot. Probably would have had a good chance of getting my putt next, but didn't even get a look in. Will gets it. <laughs> and uh, suddenly from four up, I'm now only one up. And uh, I won't lie to you at this point, I was a bit like, okay. I <laughs> He's pulling out the big I've guns. got enough holes to play with here, but I need to like be on my game here. Particularly yeah. as hole 13... We both hit a lovely tee shot. My second shot was quite over hit. <laughs> I was on the green, but I was quite over hit. Will's was, if I remember correctly, it was fine. It wasn't close to the hole, but it was a good shot. It was short, yeah. It was it was short, but it was still, it was on the green. Yeah. And uh, yeah, flush enough that I could get it close on my next shot. Yeah, and uh, this shot I had, I think it was a 46 foot putt for my birdie. That's a big one. And I under hit it quite significantly. By like 15 feet. Oh yeah, no, I was still like 30 feet away, like 25, 30 mm. feet away from my next shot. And I was like, at this point, I was like, F*** me, Will's going to bring it level. And unfortunately for Will, I think my experience in the game showed here and I hit a very clutch par putt. And uh, unfortunately for Will, he wasn't able to convert his birdie. So we halved the hole. But I think that might have been the turning point. Yes, we would have drawn even yeah. at that point if I'd have taken it. And yeah, uh, yeah that was sadly, crucial. I buckled. It was crucial. Well, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily. I don't buckled think you buckled. Hole, actually, it came later. It was a very good shot by yourself. Yeah, I think I clutched that one, and I felt good after this. I was like, okay, I'm in with a good shot now. I'm one up. There's five holes left. You know, looking pretty decent at this point. We halved the next one. Still close. And this was this was the moment, really. <laughs> the moment yeah you call it a moment i call it the undoing <laughs> we both hit a lovely drive as we'll get into my fairway stats were atrocious i think i hit 20 percent of the fairways it was awful so when i say i hit a good drive it means it's not in a tree basically which i did get in a tree at some point <laughs> you did uh, a couple of points you ended up in the brown yeah, yeah i was i was in the pine pine needles quite a lot you pulled it back though yeah, i had to hit a couple of punch shots under some branches but you know these things have to go down you were very you were much better than i was i think you were only in the, the stuff once you're in the pines with me on one hole i remember yeah and i ended up once in the sand yeah, early on yeah. as well yeah i was better at staying on the course that's for sure <laughs> You're just more of a, uh, I don't know how you call it, like a, an alternative golfer. You like to take the scenic hiking. Exactly. I, I like to just see a bit of everything, you know? You like biomes, multiple biomes. Yeah. I'm incredibly aggressive. That's really the problem. Because <laughs> uh, it's a video game, I will just go for the shot. Because if it comes off, you look like a hero. And if it doesn't, yeah. it's fine. You can just pull it back. But yes, hole 15, we've both hit lovely drives. We both hit lovely second shots. Will's actually in a better position than I am. And I missed my putt. Giving Will the opportunity. And I absolutely scuffed the part, yeah. unfortunately. Absolutely scuffed it. Hit it too hard to make matters worse, and it actually went further away from the hole than I was previously. I was now working with a much worse incline oh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. 
uh, yeah, I had a pretty, like, fairly straight part at that point. It was just one of those glancing, my stick control was off, and I accidentally knocked it, just tapped it to the right, I think, on that one, yeah. unfortunately. Gave up a uh, another opportunity there. Yes, and the unfortunate thing was, as well, you then missed your next one, too. You, un- you under-hit it to that compensate was the really, it. That really yeah. screwed me over. The nerves got to me at that point really, really? Uh, yeah that was it i think i was trying to compensate for mucking up the shot before and at that yeah. point i just think i uh I f-ed it up yeah it is it happens unfortunately golf's a cruel game even in real life as well as on this like golf's a cruel game at that point uh and uh, i saw this and was able to capitalize hit my par part putting me two up with three to play so this is real crunch time now yeah this is if will wants to beat me outright without going into a playoff here will needs to win the next three holes now's the time yeah can he do it? Can he do it, ladies and gentlemen? He's he's already made the comeback once. Can he do it again? The answer is, unfortunately, no. 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 Unfortunately, I did not make the comeback that I needed. No. Hole 16, um, unfortunately for Will, I actually just I played it sublimely. I, I don't like to toot my own trumpet like that, but drive was straight down the middle. My second shot hit the flag. <laughs> That was actually hilarious. I feel like it again. It wasn't quite a, a rim shot as the one that I did, but it almost no. felt like it bounced off the hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hit the flag, and uh, as a result, that took a lot of the pace out of the shot. So I had a lovely putt for three, and uh, yeah, Will got it on the green, but unfortunately, it was just too far away. Which unfortunately for Will means that I won three and two, and Will was unable to complete the challenge this week. First loss. I've taken my first loss of the games challenge. God damn. Yes, and I've managed to stay in the game. Fortunately for you, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. still in the runnings. But uh, before we move on to what my next challenge is, how did you find it overall? The gameplay, the match at the end of it? Did you enjoy yourself? Because I know that you're not really a golf fan. Yeah, I'm not really a golf fan, um, but I feel like there is something very primitive in the satisfaction that comes from knocking a ball into a into a goal or a hole or whatever. Yeah. I'm definitely not uh, immune from the feeling of nailing some of these uh, 100 feet, like I say, holding ones at 100 feet. Like There is that real kind of butthole-clenching, white-knuckle moment as you see the ball sailing towards the hole right on point, and it's just you know it's going in. Um, Yeah, 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 no, I would say that I did have quite a satisfying experience playing this. When I first started it, there was a bit of knowing that I was going into this playing mostly the training mode and wondering just how entertaining this was going to be. Honestly, I didn't expect to find my play count to show something like 10, 11 hours of uh, of playtime uh, on this game yeah. by the end of the week. I, I thought that I might struggle to put in that amount of time just putting balls. But uh, no, it was, it was pretty easy to rack up those hours, actually. And uh, a fun little game. I can probably see myself going back to it and maybe even encouraging some friends to pick it up given the price of it at the moment. It's very, very affordable on some of the CD key websites. And even on Steam, I think itself, it's still like, it's not like a highly priced game or anything. So no, and you can have up to four players playing at the same time. So very good little multiplayer game. Chill way to play with you buds when you grow tired of murdering zombies. And animals. No, no, no. Uh, apparently I, I go towards the golf club to do my animal killing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's this kind of my new hunting game of choice at this point. So yeah, it's yeah. nice that the game has a bit of a dual focus as well there. You can eradicate local wildlife and pests and you can shoot a few holes with your mates. It's great stuff. Yeah, and the career mode's genuinely good as well. If you like golf, you know, it can get a bit long if you don't. I'll, I'll concede, <laughs> but, but yeah, and uh, I've got to say, man, uh, I thought that for a 
never having played the game before, knowing that this game's story mechanics aren't the hardest that have ever been put out there, but they can be quite brutal on the master difficulty we were using. Uh, I thought you did incredibly well. I don't know if I'd say you were better than I thought you were going to be, because that's a bit like that's not what I mean. But you surprised me with how well you were driving consistently. Ironically, I think your putting let you down at crucial moments, given how much time you put in. Yes, it's annoying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you, you, you did very well, considering that I'm a you know, over a decade into these sort of games and you, you're you not, it was very competitive and I had a really good time with it. It was a good time. Yeah, I'm glad it played out that way as well because, um, you know, not to say that I don't like just sort of eating shit and uh, losing like very thoroughly in a game anyway, but it does keep the game way more interesting when there's a bit of a comeback and a bit of a back and forth there yeah. uh, as well. So yeah, no, I found that it was a really interesting and uh, fun to play match, but uh, GG's man, the better goal for one. You can keep your cap and uh, maybe one day I'll come back and try and take the crown off you. And the important thing, 5-4, and depending on what you set me now, I can bring it level somehow, which is pretty crazy. So go on, give it to me. So James, your challenge this week is to play... Bloodborne. Mm, okay. It's funny that you mentioned Bloodborne earlier on this episode, did, actually. Yeah. It kind of twigged there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. James, I would like you to blood level four, fists yep. only, no yep. items, defeat the Cleric Beast and Gascoigne. Ah, this sounds very familiar. It is, yeah. So if you'll remember, um, and as we covered uh, quite a handful of episodes back now when James set me the Dark Souls challenge, I actually did have an almost identical challenge for him lined up as well. So uh, this is very much a case of uh, let me borrow your homework and I promise I'll copy it. <laughs> so <laughs> I switched it around and have gone for a Bloodborne level challenge for this time around. So uh, blood level four, meaning that you need to choose the uh, the basic class in the game. It's the lowest level you can. Not able to level up during the game, nor use equipment or any weapons in the game. However, there is one important parameter that I'll give you here is that those parameters apply to the boss fights. But unlike Dark Souls, you don't have a instantly, constantly replenishing Estus in the game. So I will permit you to grind areas in the game only to buy blood vials. Right. Um, I'm not going to set you the challenge because, you know, you'll be running around. If you do die enough times, you're going to run out of blood vials and then find that you're fisting enemies. Giggity. Unable yeah. to get any soul. So for the purpose of buying blood vials, you can you can grind an area for that using a weapon. No problem. But for the fights themselves, fists only, no equipment, blood level four, no items. That's going to be hard, but it should be fun. Gas going to be harder than Cleric Beast, I think. Those are the premises. You're, you're free to, uh, you know, outside of that, uh, figure out any old which way that you want to do it. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, man. I think that this one will be a challenge, but I think it's definitely worthy of someone that's played as much time in Bloodborne as you have. Get after it. Okay, man, with your challenge set, we await another week to see how you get on. But it's time to close off the show with the game's challenge finished. And before we do close off the show, it's time one last time to roll out the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk.
So finally, with a message to our listeners, please do go ahead and follow us and participate in the various social media platforms we've just listed there previously. We'd really love to hear from you. Uh, We'd love to get some feedback on the show, some engagement, some ideas on maybe what to do next what sort of content you'd like to see us produce, or maybe uh, just to give your opinions in contrast to our own. We'd really love to hear from you either way. Okay, so with that said, it's time to close off the episode. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Until then, goodbye.